you think you're going to the interview and you know all you got to do is just do great and you get the job but that job interview is set up for you to fail because typically the employer's talking to four or five people so if they talk to five people four of you are going home without a job that means it's an 80 percent failure rate let's go Hello and welcome to the Brand New You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build your personal brand. We meet here each week to learn how building your brand can help you grow your influence, amplify your online reputation, and ultimately impact your career. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest has been called America's top job search expert. Robin Ryan is a licensed vocational counselor and author of seven best-selling career and job search books, including Over 40 and You're Hired, Soaring on Your Strengths, and 60 Seconds and You're Hired. Robin has appeared on over 1,500 TV and radio shows, including Oprah, Dr. Phil, CNN, ABC News, and NPR. Her advice and articles have appeared in most major magazines and newspapers, such as the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, New York Times, and the Chicago Tribune. Robin is also a keynote speaker at numerous national and regional conferences, and she can often be found running workshops or speaking in front of association members or on college campuses talking to alumni and students. So believe me when I tell you, I am Totally excited to speak with Oprah's job search expert today about how you can get hired in 60 seconds. Robin, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Brand New You Show. Thank you, Ryan. I'm glad to be here. Well, I am very glad that you reached out so that we could do this interview today. But I have one question that I absolutely have to ask as I was doing the research and I discovered and learned more and more about you. And that is, who asks tougher interview questions, Dr. Phil or Oprah? Oh, Oprah, for sure. Because <laughs> I was on for the whole hour, and she would throw a question out and then say your name last, like, you know, what do you think about this, blah, 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 Robin? And then you're like panic inside, thinking, oh, it's me, I got to do something now. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. she kept you on your toes. Yeah, that's absolutely for sure, because, you know, <laughs> they write out questions for her to ask us, but no one gives us a warning as to what we're going to be asked. So. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, I promise you every question I ask today will be yours. Okay. <laughs> so I won't have to say your name after I ask the question. Okay. Yeah. It's going to work that way for sure. All right. One question I do ask all my guests before we get started is if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? Australia. Australia. Have you been to Australia, I assume? I have not been there yet. And that's one place on my bucket list that I really want to get to. And, uh, you know, the fact that it takes about 20 hours to get there from where I live in Seattle, Washington, that uh, kind of is a problem. But um, <laughs> the, the beaches, the country, the people, I just absolutely want to go there. So, you know, soon, someday, uh, I'm going to get there. Yeah, I'm with you. It's the whole uh, spend an entire day on a plane thing that, you know, kind of... Yeah. <laughs> makes you think twice. Yeah, my husband said no. So I've asked him to go a whole bunch of times, and every time he's like, you know how long we have to be on the plane? It's a no. <laughs> Robin, as I was going through and doing my research for our discussion today, one of the things that I noticed is that, you know, if you look at your career, it looks like you have had a passion or an interest in career and career counseling 
pretty much, you know, since you got started after college. Right. But how did you get into the actual, you know, job search career space? Was was that your goal when you went to college or did something change along the way? I uh, went to become a guidance counselor. So I actually started out as a guidance counselor and we had some federal money to teach this like job search class to our students and no one uh, on staff wanted to teach it. So they gave it to me because I was the youngest, newest one. They said, you do it. <laughs> and so, you know, I did it and I liked it. And every place I went wanted me to teach job search because number one, I had done it. And number two, nobody else wanted to do it. So, you know, sometimes you fall into your career because nobody else was willing to do that. So for the last 30 years, I've been in this niche of helping job hunters land great jobs. You know, I'm really interested in making sure they get the salary that they deserve, but they won't do that if they don't know about salary negotiations. And we're going to chat about that later. So everybody's got to stay tuned. That's right. We will. Um, And you mentioned land great jobs. And one of the things that you talk about in the book is that 80% of the jobs that are out there right now aren't listed. So what is your advice to people to help them find those jobs? Good question. It's called the hidden job market. And, you know, there's a process. In fact, I talk about it. I have an article that's available on my website that people can go and get called Hired Using the Hidden Job Market. These jobs are the good ones, but you've got to connect to that hiring manager. And no, you can't just create a LinkedIn profile and think that that's it. This takes some research and some work on your part where you actually come up with the companies you're interested in going to work for. So it's a very proactive approach. And then you use your network that you have and you grow that network so that you can reach the right people and you get in touch with them before they've advertised the job to anybody else. Um, And that's where you really have a terrific opportunity and a great chance of being hired and getting one of these positions that people say afterwards, wow, this really is my dream job. Mm. Now, you, you mentioned networking there, and I hear that term come up a lot. What is your best tip for people when it comes to networking? Try to get to know the person enough so that if they called you or you called them You both would know who you are. And that means you're going to a networking event and you meet two people, but you talk to them long enough so you really kind of get to know them. And follow up with a quick email, ask for their card and, you know, shoot them a quick email. If you meet somebody who's interesting, suggest to them, we should have coffee, right? Um, Always share their interests. You want to talk about them. Tell me what you do. Explain to me about your company. It's not a company I recognize or not a company I know much about. Those are the kinds of questions that are going to make that person open up and talk to you and realize that most people, when it comes to networking, are pretty introverted. So you have to reach out. You have to be the extroverted one that tries because networking is how people are landing two thirds of all jobs. Wow. Two thirds. I, I, I knew it was a lot. I wouldn't have suspected that high. That's yep. That's pretty amazing. Really? So and you mentioned companies in there. What is, you know, with Google and everything else that exists today and the, you know, the kind of the democratization of information, it's available and out there for everybody. What are some of the best places or ways that you recommend job seekers or job candidates look to research a company or a job? Well, start at the company's website. 
see what they have because you'd be amazed how much information is there. And if they're publicly traded, you can look at their annual report, which tells you where they're growing, uh, where, th where they lost revenues, where they made revenues, where they're going to expand. So that's a good source. But the best source is going to Glassdoor. Glassdoor.com has real people writing about their experiences, whether they were in the job interview and what kind of questions they got asked or what kind of culture it is and what they think about the company. They may write a review on the company because they worked there. So that's where you get the insider information. And of course, look at your own network. Ask people you know. Does anybody know anybody who works at this ABC company? From there, that's where you can start talking to new people. And you always want to end that conversation with anybody else you can think of that I should talk to. Because if you don't, you're going to run out of people really fast. So you've always got to expand that network. So let's assume we go through, people have prepared, they've figured out their network, they've found a job or a place that they want to talk to, and they've reached out now to a hiring manager. And so they get that initial phone screen. What are some of the things from, so I want to look at it two ways. If I'm the hiring manager and I'm calling somebody on an initial phone screen, what are some of the things that I'm thinking about as I'm listening to this person talk? Well, the first thing you're really trying to do is verify that they actually have all of the experience and the education that you need and that what they have on their resume may not be true. You know, sometimes people uh, fudge it a little bit or lie like one third of them. So they're, they're trying to determine what your background is, whether or not you have the, the skill set that they think they need. They're also listening to your tone, how engaging, how interested you are, and whether or not you're smart enough to not try to talk when you're downtown or you're in the middle of, you know, Starbucks and people are talking behind you. You want to make sure that you've got your cheat sheet. You need your resume in front of you. You need your um, top selling points. Uh, you want to be engaging and sound friendly on the phone and not have any background or any distractions. So you've got to be someplace in your home or if you're in a conference room where nobody's going to bother you. Okay. And I want to get into some of those cheat sheets, which you could refer to as the five point agenda and the six second cell, if you will, here in a minute. But also during, sometimes during this initial phone screen, the question of salary or compensation comes up. As a job seeker, how should you answer that question during the initial phone screen? You've got to dodge it. You have to keep the negotiation power. So if they say to you, what's your current salary? You simply reply back in a very nice way. Well, what is the current range that this job pays? And let them take the ball. Let them be the one that has to talk about what the range of the salary is. If they really press you and say, no, we, we need to know where you're at, then give them a range. Say, well, you know, it's going to depend on how much travel and how much overtime and what your needs are. And I'm not in this position right now to tell you that without hearing more about the job. But I will tell you this, that according to payscale.com, 
there they have a range on this particular job. So you go to Payscale and you look up, with my experience and the job title I'm looking for, what's the range this job would be? So let's say the job was for uh, an accountant and it's a senior accountant. So the range might be from 60 to 80,000 or 90,000. And you can say, you know, the range is between 60 and 80,000 and I'm within that range. Let's say that phone call doesn't take place and somebody wants to apply online, which I think we both know is not the preferred way to do it. But let's say they apply online and there's always that box that says salary or compensation. How do you handle that? Can you enter a range there also or can you write negotiable or should you is that the place where you actually have to put your salary? Well, tip one is leave it blank and submit the application and see if it goes through. Because if it's not a mandatory field, it should go through. Tip two, if it doesn't go through and you have to put something in, try open. But most typically, that particular box has been coded for numbers. So if open doesn't work, type in zeros and let the zeros work. assume now we've gotten through the phone screen and now we're getting ready and we're preparing for the interview. One of the very first things that you talk about in your book, 60 seconds and you're hired is the five point agenda. And really this, I I see this is kind of key for everything else that seems to happen from this point on, especially as you get into the interview process. So let's start off with, can you define what is the five point agenda? This is the crux of your research. Before you go into the job interview, you've done up, you've done the research, you know, as much as you possibly can about the company, then select your top five selling points. Maybe you're a graphic designer and so you've got great expertise using the creative suite. Maybe you've done a lot of web pages or you've got a lot of e-commerce behind you. You've got 10 years of experience, whatever it might be. But you want those five selling points. And those selling points are what you're going to try to stress throughout the interview. Because the biggest mistake people make is you think you're going to the interview and, you know, all you got to do is just do great and you get the job. But that job interview is set up for you to fail because typically the employer is talking to four or five people. So if they talk to five people, four of you are going home without a job. That means it's an 80% failure rate. So knowing your selling points, weaving them into your answers allows that person to concentrate a little bit on you and really get what you've got to bring to the table. Remember, they can barely remember anything. Uh, We have hiring managers that say, yep, I can interview somebody for an hour and not remember one thing they said. So getting their attention is really important. And so I think, you know, through the repetitive nature of going back to the five point selling agenda, it gives them a better opportunity at the end of the interview to remember you because you've you've hit on the same key points throughout the throughout the interview or throughout the day. Correct. Absolutely. So we we pick our top five, but where do we get them? Where do we get our top five? Well, you analyze the job so that you can kind of get a feel for what do they need? What kind of skill set is needed to do this job? And look at your resume. Look at your summary of qualifications. What are your top points? What are you stressing? What are you good at? For example, let's say you're a nurse and you've got clinical experience, you've got emergency room experience, and you've got critical care experience. So you want to stress, you know, I'm a nurse and I've worked in these critical care units. I've also worked in the ER. You're trying to show 
your skills. And then you could say, you know, I have great patient uh, relations experience. In fact, if you were to talk to my boss, they would say that's one of my top skills that I bring to my position. So you, you're using those points throughout, but that's where they come from. They come off your resume and they come from your analysis of the job that you're being asked to do and what are the skills that they want and things you want them to remember about you. So, so once you have your top five, can I, can I use those same top five forever for every job that I apply to? No, it's customized. Um, it may not alter much, but it may alter a little bit based on the second job opportunity, because not all jobs are created equal. And even though our nurse is looking for a nursing job, one job may be very different than the other, and she needs to stress something different based on the advertisement. So really look at the advertisement. And one thing you can do, too, is when they call you and offer you the interview, ask the name of the person you're interviewing with so you can go to LinkedIn and look them up right? Ask how it's spelled. So you've got the spelling on the name, right? And then also um, make sure that you're um, looking at the website, kind of gathering the information and ask for one more thing. And that's the full job description, because a lot of times the ad you see is small and they can email you the full job description. And that's something you'd want. That's a, that's a good tip. And I would venture to say most people don't even think about that. I think about interviewing all the time. You know, <laughs> my, my mind works on how do I help people land these jobs? Um, you know, I work with my clients and running their resumes and then coaching them through the interview session. I mean, this is, this is my passion. This is the thing that I love to do more than anything. I think interviewing is fabulous. It's so exciting. It's something that I love coaching people on because um, I want you to be successful. I really care that the person gets the job that's the right fit for them. As, as we're talking through the five points agenda here, there is also something that you talk about in your book called a 60 second sell. So how do those two tie together? And I guess before we get there, what is the 60 second sell? You take your top five selling points. You're going to link them together in a few sentences so that you have this verbal business card, which I call the 60 second sell. Now, some people have referred to it as an elevator pitch, but this is much more specific. To get the attention of the hiring manager, you need to zero in immediately saying, here's my top selling points to do your job. Pay attention to me. I can do it. So an example might be this, where the person would say, well, for the last five years, I've been a project manager. And as a project manager, I handle very complex IT product launch issues. So you're telling them you're dealing with product launch. You're telling them it's complex. You're telling them you're a project manager. You said you've got five years of experience. And, you know, you can go in and talk about, you know, I've got strength at uh, communication skills, persuading people to get things done, even though I have no autonomy really over them. Um, I'm excellent in collaborative environments, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like this would be uh, the 60 second cell would be an excellent way to answer the dreaded tell me about yourself question? It's the perfect way. And that's where we came up with it. For example, you might say something like this, where um, in the initial interview, they say to you, tell me about yourself. And instead of opening up with your autobiography of, you know, I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> and, you know, 20 minutes later, you just made it into the job that you're at now. 
No one's looking for that personal history. But there's another use too. So we answer the tell me about yourself, get the interview started question with your 60 second sell. But think about this. Go to the closing of the interview. You've asked all your questions. They've answered them and they've said, okay, we're going to make our decision in two weeks and someone will call you or let you know, blah, blah, blah. So you're ready to say thank you. And instead of just saying thank you and leaving, what if you said thank you and said, thank you, Bob. Thank you, panel. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk to you today. I'm very interested in this position. And let me summarize for you what I think I bring to it. I've got five years experience as a project manager handling the kinds of issues that you need de dealt with. And you go into your five points then. You close with your 60-second cell. You shake their hand. You leave. Those people have a form in front of them. And they're going to evaluate you as soon as you leave the room. And what they're going to remember is those five selling points that you just gave them. It's the most outstanding way to close an interview, and 99% of the people never do it. So you will stand out. Yeah, I would venture to say most people just ask, what's the next step, as opposed to actually trying to kind of sell themselves, if you will, at the end of an interview. Well, that's because most people are really afraid to sell themselves. They don't know how. They're not experienced. I mean, they're, they're introverted. You've got a lot of people out there, Ryan, that have had a job for a long time. They may not have interviewed in six, seven years. I get people who say, I haven't interviewed in 10 years or 20 years. You know, I've been with the same company. I got promoted, but now it's time to move on. I'm not getting paid enough. That seems to be the big motivating factor. They're not getting paid enough and they want to move on, but it's still scary. So that's why you have to have the 60-second sell, the five-point agenda, and you have to know how to answer some of those tough questions. You can't just go in there and wing it. You wing it, you're going to be one of the losers. I guarantee it. <laughs> Obviously, then there's some pitfalls as we get into job interviews. What are some of the most common ones that you've you've run across that people should avoid? Okay, well, not dressing professionally enough. People think the business casual means you can go to an interview that way. Absolutely not. If you're a professional person, you know, you need to be in a suit. So a pantsuit for a lady, skirt with a blazer or a beautiful dress that's a very professional looking dress or a sheath dress with a, a jacket to go with it. That's the kind of outfit that you need and want. So that's the first thing. The second thing is turn off the cell phone. Hide the phone. Don't have it in your possession when they walk in the room. Do not be distracted looking at it, trying to kill time. Hide your cell phone and make sure it's off. It is amazing how many employers complain that millennials will take out the phone and start texting somebody in the middle of the interview. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so, you know, you want to be on time. But the other key thing is you have to do research. A lot of people don't do the research on the company. They don't look up the hiring manager's LinkedIn profile. They're not asking good questions. And they're certainly not prepared to answer situational questions and tough questions that they're likely to be asked. Should, should you bring work samples with you to an interview? Absolutely. You know, this is a good way to be able to discuss with them. In fact, I had a client, Roberto, 
who wanted this job. He wanted this job at Chevron so bad, and it was in the marketing area. And he finished his MBA. You know, he was an older person who had gone back to school, and he's like, "This is my dream job." And I said, "Bring him, bring them the spreadsheet. Bring them the things that you do." So when he went into the interview after the first few questions, he said to them, "Let me show you how I've done this." And when he started showing them, you know, on his spreadsheet and his, you know, the information that he brought in, all the questions changed. They all started centering around his work and what he'd done and how he did this and how he set it up. And he landed the job. So bringing those things in are very important. As you're going through the interview and I, you know, as a, as an interviewer, I have used this technique before. How should job candidates handle periods of silence during an interview? Very calmly, because they may be writing things down. They may be thinking. They may be processing what you said and then looking at something on the resume. Believe me, they didn't go through your resume with a fine-tooth comb before you got there. They may not have looked at it since they called you in to come in for an interview. Or that person may have been handed the resumes from HR. A lot of times HR does the screening and they pick the people that are coming in. So the hiring manager is looking at them fresh. So give them a chance to process. Just sit there and smile. Be patient. They will get back to you. Don't worry. But um, don't fill in that awkwardness. Don't say anything. Mm, that's not the that's not the time to talk about the weather or the no, don't babble. what you're doing that weekend. That's babbling. <laughs> don't babble. type of interview questions will commonly trip people up the most? The situational questions. We call it behavioral technology, where it's, um, tell us about a time that your boss recently criticized your work. So describe to us, tell us about a time, give us an example of. Those are saying, we want specifics. We want to know who you're talking about, where it happened, what's going on, and what was the result. And most people, if they're telling stories, number one, they haven't thought about these things, so they don't have the right story, and they haven't crafted it, so they start babbling and making a lot of mistakes. And and they oftentimes will give out the wrong example, and if they thought about it, they could have come up with a really good example. So you got to be very careful on these. These ones are tough. Um, what I do is I role play with people. I ask them questions and we go back and forth. They answer and then I you know, critique the answer and then I have them do it again. You want to practice. If you don't practice with Robin Ryan, uh, practice with your spouse, your friend, a colleague, a manager, you know, but practice. Here's, here's a, I think, a common question that is, you know, when you get asked this, when you feel really awkward, but, and it's also that situational question, how would you counsel someone to answer the question, describe the worst boss you've ever worked for? I love that question. You know, I teach hiring to managers and when I do, I coach them and say, always ask this question. So, so you're to blame for this question. Yeah, but this question, okay, I have to tell you the best answer I ever heard though. Because I think it's really important for the audience to to hear this. Okay. Best question. Me and a CEO asked this question of professional people. And the man looks at us and he says, very honestly, that woman was demon possessed. She was Satan incarnated. <laughs> and I worked for her for three years. And he went off on working for Satan. 
And I'm telling you, my, my fingernails were digging into my hand so I wouldn't start laughing. So a minute later, I said, excuse me, I, I got to get some water. I'll be right back. And I'm in the hall and I'm laughing. And the CEO comes out and he has the guy's resume and he wrote Satan on it. And I said to him, oh, you want to know which one? And he says, oh, this guy's not getting hired. After all, that's what he's going to say about me. Right when he leaves here. And you know, a lot of people don't realize that. They don't think about, okay, that hiring manager that's asking that question is really worried. What are you going to go say about me afterwards? So best to keep this to an example of something like, you know, uh, we had a situation where the boss wasn't very collaborative and, you know, I could go months without getting any feedback. And my current boss is one that, likes to have the team come in and asks us for information and wants us to, you know, help them and give them good, you know, good information. And that's exactly what I do. And uh, that, that kind of situation where you feel part of the team, it's real collaborative, your ideas are asked for. I, I thrive in that environment. How about the question, describe a time when you've failed? <gasps> I love that too. That's another good one. So you sit there and you freak out because you're like, what will I say? <laughs> right. And, um, you know, one of the things that you could say is something like, what did you learn from that failure? See, that's what people don't think about. You need to be talking about the results that you personally achieved on the job. And in a failure question or a mistake question, really what they want to know is, you know, what did you do? So you might say something like, about a year and a half ago, I was asked to give a big public speech and do a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. And when it was over, I, I wasn't very good. I'd never done it before. And my boss said, well, that was really mediocrely poor. And you need to work on this a lot. And I took that to heart. And what I did was I went and I joined Toastmasters because we had one that came to the office. And I took a class on public speaking. I also took a class on PowerPoint so that now in the last six months, I do these regularly. I'm the one they call on to do the weekly presentation of what's going on for the team. And so I do my PowerPoints and my public speech. And my boss always says, great job when I sit down. So uh, I've really turned that around, but you know, I had to put a lot into it so that I could improve. Okay. So you take the failure and you say, I, I learned something from this. Yep. And, and here's what I did to fix it. How about, uh, we'll do one more and then I'll, then we'll move on um, from some interview questions. Although I think I could probably ask you interview questions like all day. <laughs> well, I got over a hundred <laughs> in the book. So yeah, we could do this forever. <laughs> How do you handle, what is your greatest weakness? <gasps> I tell every employer to ask that question. Oh my gosh, it's you. It's you. You're to blame for all these questions. <laughs> I, you know, it, in 60 seconds and you're hired, you'd be surprised how many hiring managers buy it and then use my questions to ask people. That's smart. And so, so what's your greatest weakness? You know, if you have a sense of humor, you could actually say chocolate. I absolutely can't live without chocolate. <laughs> um, and people will laugh and sometimes they'll go on. So, you know, it's okay to show you have a sense of humor, but, you know, they're looking for a real answer. If they say, no, 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 we need to know something about work, then suppose you're doing a data analyst job. You might say, you know, I am really good using Word and Excel and project, but I don't know how to program. So if you need me to write code, you know, for Excel or for your database, 
I'd have to take a class. I'd need training to do that. Um, but as long as that's not required for the job, I'm okay. Wow. Yeah. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm looking through your book right now as we're talking, cause I'm thinking, okay, what's another one I can ask you about? <laughs> but I mean, the bulk of this book that we're talking about 60 seconds and you're hired is interview questions. There are 128 of them and you give answers to the different questions that could potentially come up. And I'm reading, you know, as I was reading through this the first time I kept going, yeah, I've been asked that one. I've been asked that one. You know, there's, there's not any off the wall questions here. These are all real questions that, you know, I personally have been asked some of them and I'm sure others who pick up the book and look at it, they'll go, Oh yeah, I've, I've been asked that question too. It's a very practical guide to how you answer tough interview questions. Thank you. Well, it was designed. I wanted to give you, if you only had a day to prepare, you could use the book, go through it, and and really be ready for that interview. That was my goal. Well, I definitely say you achieved that goal. Um, it's okay. it's not only is it really well written, it's just it's really practical. And there's a lot of, I mean, you can literally in a day, as you just said, take this book and and understand and know how to answer a lot of these questions. Well, that was my goal because you know a lot of times you don't have that much time to prepare. Uh, it does help if you get the book in advance and read through it and you know highlight things that you think will be related to you because then when that interview comes in, you know it's not as much work. Um, but those that prepare are usually the ones that land the job. Speaking of preparation, at this point, we've gone through the interview. We've we've made our close using the 60-second cell, as you uh, alluded to earlier. Uh-huh. And now we're fortunate and we get a phone call back because we've been following the five-point agenda in a 60-second cell and we know how to answer questions. Yes. We get a phone call back and they want to make us an offer. What is the biggest mistake that you see people make in salary negotiations? They don't negotiate. They simply accept the offer as given. And let me tell you, in my professional experience, and I do a lot of this, the first offer is almost always not the best offer. It's common to put something on the table to see if you'll take it. Now, if you remember back when I told you, don't tell them what your salary is, because if you do, you've lost all your negotiation power. And many times, your salary's too low. That's why you're moving on. So you've got to be very savvy in salary negotiations. So, you know, this, I think another reason why people may take the first offer and not negotiate is because it makes them very uncomfortable to do that because they really may not even know what they're truly worth. So how do you determine a proper salary to even ask for during the negotiation? Well, I, I, I agree with you. People, people, especially women, are afraid and very insecure when it comes to salary negotiation. A client recently told me she was having a nervous breakdown doing this, but she was doing it. And, you know, she's $6,000 ahead, so she did okay. Plus, she got two weeks extra vacation out of the negotiation. So it really was worth doing. But women earn 23% less than men. And most of that comes down to the fact that they don't negotiate their salary going in. And realize all your bonuses... All your future raises are based on that salary. SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management this year, finished a study that said people who don't negotiate their salary from the beginning of their career till the end will lose somewhere between 500 
thousand and a million dollars in lost earnings because they did not negotiate. So your question, what's your worth? You got to know what your worth is. And that's going to pay scale. I told you before, go there, find out what that range is. Um, Maybe you're in a professional association and they publish uh, breakdowns for regions, for different parts of the country, how much the money is, you know, depending on how much experience you have. So look into those areas because you need to know what you're dealing with. You want to know what that range is. Is is um, like I know Glassdoor has salary ranges on there. Is that another place that you can go kind of, if you will, give a sniff test or? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the two the two gold standards are payscale and salary.com because they're the ones payscale and salary.com are the two that have the biggest databases have done the most research and um, I refer all my clients to payscale and no I don't work there no I don't I don't you know I'm not involved with them but I just think it's a great resource okay are there any keys that you think that people should keep in mind as they go into a salary negotiation never break my cardinal rule. So here's my salary negotiation cardinal rule. Do not break this. Never tell them how much money you made because probably it's too low, right? Rule number two, never break rule number one. (laughs) Rule number three, never ever break rule number one, which is never tell the employer how much exactly you're making. There's still a lot of psychology at play here. You see, once you start talking and you're no longer screening people out, the employer is now saying things to you like, you're going to love it here. This is a great place to work. We really think you're going to be a terrific fit. They're trying to recruit you. They're actually afraid that you might not take the job. So trying to negotiate usually will put thousands of more dollars in your paycheck. mind is still like blown away by the half a million to a million dollars in salary that people miss out on by not negotiating. I got that figure right before I did the annual conference. I did salary negotiations for women and it was a speech for the national conference for Sherm Society Human Resource Managers packed room. And I can't believe how many of these HR people came up to me afterwards and said, what can I do? I took the job, what they offered, you know, nine months ago or eight months ago or six months ago. And I really need a raise and I really need more money. And I looked at him and I said very nicely, and I'm really sorry, but you're probably so out of luck because you didn't negotiate going in. And these women learned really hard lessons. I mean, it's expensive, but no one thinks of the lost wages. So Ryan, that's a terrific point to reiterate. 500000 to a million dollars. And if you're an executive, that million dollars, you could, you could lose out in 10 years. So, you know, you really, really have to be careful that you screen and that you know what you're worth and that you ask for it and have some confidence. And if you don't have confidence, practice. My, my biggest advice on this is try. Yeah. I mean, what, I guess what's the worst that can happen, right? Is they can say no. But a lot of times they'll say no, but you know, is there something else? And maybe you'll get an extra week's vacation. Uh, vacation doesn't really cost them anything. And so a lot of times you can ask for extra vacation. You can ask for your parking to be paid for. You can be asked for help with the daycare costs. I mean, you can also ask for money to cover the deductible on the medical insurance. Um, you might have a three, five, seven thousand dollar deductible, and that's after taxes. 
So that's something you could say, you know, wow, my insurance, I got a $300 deductible and now you're handing me a deductible that's huge. You know, I I need to have a higher salary just to cover that because I'm certainly not going to take a job where I'm losing money. So one one of the key one of the key takeaways uh, at least right now that I have running through my mind is for negotiation is that you need to ask the question. Right. <laughs> Just as simple as asking. Yeah, can we talk about it? <laughs> We've got this great job we want to offer to you and you say, "Wonderful. Can we talk about it? How about we um set up a phone conference? I'm not able to talk right now, but can we set up a phone conference for tomorrow?" Or can I come in and see you? If you're local, best to try to do it face-to-face if possible. But phone's okay, too. I I read an interesting article um, the other day. It was something uh, – it was J.T. O'Donnell. She wrote it. It was called The Exploding Offer, Mm -hmm. which basically means a company gives a candidate X amount of time. And if they don't respond by a certain time frame, usually like 24 or 48 hours, then the offer is gone. How would you suggest candidates handle those types of negotiations? And usually the um, offers in writing. And what you do is you call the hiring manager. You do not deal with an HR person who could care less whether you take the job. You call the hiring manager and you negotiate always, always, always with the hiring manager. That's the person who cares and that's the person who can go to their boss or to the HR manager and negotiate to get you more money. So in those cases, you don't handle it. You let you let the insiders take care of it. That's right. Cash is king. Remember, promises of future raises, promises of future bonuses, promises of, you know, we might go public or you can get stock. All that's just promises and you can't cash those at the bank. Robin, I got one more question for you and then we'll start to wrap things up here. Can you tell me a little bit about the Job Search Success Academy? Oh, yes. Uh, This is coming very soon. I have taken all of my work, all my books, all my 17 hours of audio, uh, several hours of video, organized it for people, and we're going to have a success academy where they'll be able to go into the Job Search Academy. They'll have they'll pay a membership fee and be able to use it for six months. And also that's going to include webinars um, that, that I'll be doing, and the webinars will be a topic each month, and then at the end, they'll all be time for questions. So it uh, gives the people a lot of access and a lot of really terrific information. So someone who can be self-motivated and wants to move along but still wants that extra coaching, they're going to get it all. And they're going to get personalized emails from me too, coaching them along. So um, look for this. It'll probably be out in the next several weeks. We're getting real close to launch now. And that was my next question is when it would be available. So it looks like uh, it'll be soon. That's right. And and the webinars that you mentioned, those it sounds like those will not be public webinars. Those will be private to members only who join the Success Academy. Correct. These these webinars will be also recorded, too. So if you can't make it at the time that we're doing it, you could email in a question and I can answer that. And also, too, you'll get the recording. So that helps because, you know, not everybody might have the same time available. And uh, we want to make sure that everybody gets the information. Really, really excited about this. Believe it or not, been working on it for almost two years. 
This is a really, this is going to be a really special thing. It's going to be uh, a tool that can really help people get to where they want to go much faster. Awesome. Awesome. And I assume if they sign up to get your newsletter that you will let your, let the folks on your newsletter know when it's available. And in addition, if they do that, they can get your free 10 page ebook titled Hired Using the Hidden Job Market, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Right. I really encourage your audience to get the newsletter. I write an article every week and it's on uh, the job search topics. And, you know, it might be on resumes, it might be on interviewing or cover letter, it might be on you haven't looked for a job in a long time. Here's what changed. That's my most recent one. I mean, I've done you name it, anything in the process, it gets covered. And so those are the things that you really need to uh, be aware of. And I'm always bringing to your attention, like, for example, sometimes now employers are Skyping and how to do a better job at that if you have to Skype. You know, people think, oh, well, it doesn't matter. And then their head's bouncing around all the place and you can't hear them. And, you know, uh, that's not going to make a very good impression. So... So Robin, for those who are interested, and I'm sure there'll be there'll be plenty, what are some of the best way or what is the best way for those listeners who'd like to learn more about you, learn more about your services, uh, get on your email list and find out more about the Job Success Academy? What are the best ways for them to do that? They can go to RobinRyan.com and it's spelled R-O-B-I-N-R-Y-A-N.com. And... Um, I've got my services. It talks about my webinars. It'll talk about uh, signing up for the newsletter. I, you know, I really want to help you in any way I can. And also, too, I invite you to go to LinkedIn and sign up and connect with me. So many HR people um, from all my speeches that I do because I'm so connected in that marketplace. You'll get connected to a lot of recruiters and HR people that you couldn't have been connected to without that connection. So all you got to do is just send me a, I'd like to connect with you and I'll accept. Awesome. And I guess before I ask my very last question, is it is it not true that career counseling services are tax deductible as well? Yes, the services that I provide, the job search services, are tax deductible. Isn't that nice? The government actually gives you your money back for anything you invest on job search. So whether you're just buying the book or you're paying for a service, you know, you can write it off. That is awesome. Robin, any final thoughts, tips, or words of wisdom you would like to pass on to anyone that is listening today? Don't waste this time where you can move on to a better job. Right now, employers are having a harder time finding talent. And so they are really, really getting frustrated. That means, number one, you can stand out if you have a stellar resume. Um, and if you practice all these interview tips that we did today, me and Ryan, you're going to be able to excel in that job interview and land that new job. Don't forget the salary negotiations too. That's really important. Awesome. Well, Robin, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together today. I do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Thanks for having me. Research, prepare, practice, and ask are the words I think summarize today's discussion with Robin. Research both the company and yourself. Know what the company is about, 
and understand the role you're applying for and how your brand, you, and your skills can help the company resolve their challenges. Prepare. Put together your five-point agenda. Remember, the five-point agenda is based on your research, so select your top five selling points as they apply to the position. Once you have your selling points, you can prepare your 60-second sell by turning your five points into your verbal business card. And then, once you've got your five-point agenda and your 60-second sell, guess what? It's time to practice. Practice the 60-second sell and practice how you will use your five-point agenda to answer your interview questions. Pick up a copy of Robin's book. Review the questions and practice, because if practice makes perfect, then you're going to be able to nail your interview, which will give you the opportunity to ask. Ask for the higher compensation. Ask for additional vacation days, moving costs, or whatever it is that you feel you need to make that move to the new company. Remember, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. And in a job negotiation, this no could cost you as much as a million dollars over the course of your career. Research, prepare, practice, and ask. Thank you, Robin, for sharing your time with us today. And thank you for sharing such practical and actionable advice. Thanks to you, someone listening today is just 60 seconds away from being hired. In fact, I'm so confident of this, I want to help. So I've set up a giveaway for Robin's book. If you go to ryanroten.com forward slash giveaway, you'll be able to enter your email address to receive a link to the Amazon giveaway page where you can enter to win a copy of Robin's book. I pre-purchased five copies of her book, which means that five of you listening will be selected at random by Amazon's algorithm to win a copy for yourself. There is a catch, however. As I've already said, you will need to enter your email address, and more importantly, the giveaway will end in seven days. So you have until Wednesday, April 20th to enter. And once all of the copies of Robin's book has been claimed, the contest will end. Unfortunately, this giveaway does only apply to listeners within the United States. That link again is ryanroten.com forward slash giveaway. As always, you can find the show notes over on the blog at ryanroten.com forward slash Robin Ryan. Until next week, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. This week's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roten. The transition music is The Australian Game Loop by Audio Store. And the intro and outro music is Pulse by Soundroad.